Hello, good morning, and welcome to Start Your Week with the Bunker Daily, where we try to set out what's coming up in the next seven days and help you to brace yourself for events. Quick reminder, don't forget our live Christmas Zoom on Thursday the 17th of December at 8pm, exclusive to Patreon backers. Search Patreon Bunker Podcast to sign up for Tinsel and Torment. I'm Andrew Harrison, and with me I've got Best of Britain CEO Naomi Smith. Hello, Naomi. Have you spent the weekend shouting at teacups and desk lamps like <laughs> for the camera like the Prime Minister? <laughs> well, for Blackadder fans, it's been mostly shouting, fishy, fishy, fish. <laughs> um, <laughs> but maybe we're through. We're through the fish bits. Who knows? I thought that picture, he, he was he was going for Churchill in 1940, but it actually looked like a gambling ad, you know, when yeah. the fun stops, stop. You know, <laughs> a, a sweaty man in in the small hours. Negotiate aware. <laughs> yeah, was, yeah I've, I've accidentally spent the kids' college fund on uh, some kind of online betting thing headquartered in Manila. It was no deal. It was spent a hell of a lot more than that. Yes, well, it has been brinkmanship all weekend. EU leaders are meeting at the European Council on Thursday, which sets, I don't know, some kind of deadline. Is is that a real deadline for finally, finally having to get an agreement or decide there isn't going to be agreement on all this? I mean, who fucking knows, Andrew? Mm. Um, yes, it would certainly feel like that is the last sensible, sensible point to ensure that you get the ratification needed and that you get the chance for the the other 27 to rubber stamp anything that is agreed this week, if anything is agreed. But on the other hand, plenty of other commentators saying the real, 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 real deadline, of course, is the 31st of December, which is the date officially that the UK would leave the Brexit transition period. So I'm afraid I don't have a concrete answer for you. But certainly in terms of how this week looks to be playing out, uh, negotiations continuing in Brussels today with Boris Johnson and Ursula von der Leyen scheduled to speak to each other tonight. No set time for that yet. The word of the weekend was choreography, their dance moves around one another, and the the timing of that call is potentially pegged to the votes around the internal market bill that we can talk about a bit more. Um, And then, as you say, the, the summit happening on Thursday at the EU end. So what could happen tonight is that the call between... Uh, Boris Johnson and Ursula von concludes much as it did at the weekend, which is all that they do is agree to carry on talking again tomorrow, their negotiation teams to carry on talking Tuesday, Wednesday. It's like teenagers on the phone to each other. You hang up. No, you hang up. <laughs> no, you hang up. No, it's your team. No, you, no, you. Except they hate each other. Um, how, how much of the weekend was kind of, you know, kabuki theatre and position taking, do you think? I mean, obviously, that photo opportunity is particularly egregious and annoying, pretending to do to work hard into the night. Um, you know, how, how much of, you know, the, the kind of dropping of, you know, the, the idea that it's getting worse, not better, we're moving further apart, not closer together, how much of that is is kind of chaff for us in the outside world and how much of it is real, do you think? Well, lots of people will tell you that... Um the EU always does this and all of its negotiations go right down to the wire and indeed any big negotiations always do and you have a huge amount of bluff and bluster on both sides as they try and you know manage the expectations of their own side so that they come out of it looking good that they drove a hard bargain. That said it does sound and I say this very tentatively, that perhaps there was some movement made this weekend and it wasn't all theatre and there were hard negotiations happening because as of last night, we saw lots and lots and lots of uh, reporting about uh, some movement on fish. 
enough to uh, wake up the Farage and his Twitter account to cry betrayal at, at Johnson um, and, and various uh, others saying, you know, we it, it, we're hearing from left, right and centre that something has happened and there's been big movement on fish. That said, senior sources from number 10 denying that. So who really knows? But I think it sounds like there are actual negotiations still happening. And if the issue of fish has been sorted out, then we are back to that thorny issue of the level playing field. And remember that the UK has much more to lose as a smaller economy um, if we can't get a deal um, and if they don't uh, understand that the level playing field really is a genuine red line for Europe. Over the weekend, the Sunday Times was reporting that 13 cabinet ministers, including eight former Remainers, are willing to support uh, no deal. And it is remarkable how you know, despite how close we are to this, that there still appears to be no political price attached to, to this extremely dangerous move. A, why is that? And B, is there any point at which, you know, the uh, the, the consequences of no deal are going to come into focus? Because it seems like it's been in the air for such a long time that mm. it's almost been normalised and people are almost accepting it as a, as a, as a reasonable and, and, and viable alternative. Oh, you, you know, you take the deal or you take the no deal. Whereas... You know, anybody who's listened to our podcast knows what an enormous and serious mm. consequence that is. Is there any point at which, you know, people are going to get real about what no deal actually means? Well, the, the point will be, of course, when it's too late. But I'm just going to break up your 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 question slightly. So you started by saying that uh, Cabinet had backed the Prime Minister mm. going for no deal this weekend. In fact, I think the, the phrase used was the, the Cabinet have given the Prime Minister a mandate to go for no deal. Now, the cabinet may well have, but the voters most certainly have not. YouGov, 27th of November, was the UK right or wrong to leave the European Union? 50% now saying wrong. Largest lead that that question has ever had in a poll. And at Best of Britain, our focus groups, particularly in the Red Wall, very, very clear on this. Boris, keep your promise. And that is them saying, you promised to get a deal. Effing well, get a deal. You know, it wasn't oven ready. He's not govern ready. It's going to come back to bite him at some point if he doesn't, if he, if he does fail on that. But to your question more specifically about whether people will really wake up to no deal and at what point, I think a couple of things. I think many of them already have. And certainly the business sector have been far more vocal in the last couple of weeks uh, than they ever have been before. Notably, the British Chambers of Commerce, the Hauliers Association, all of those involved in logistics and supply chains. But let's face it, so too have members of the cabinet. Yesterday, Environment Minister George Eustace saying that food prices will rise. They will rise. Now, Best of Britain has been saying that all year. We've been running the affordable food deal campaign uh, together with the uh, chef Jack Monroe because the UK published its tariff schedule of all of the foods that are going to be hit with sometimes up to a 20, 25% tariff come January. Import tariffs. These are, these are tariffs imposed by the UK. And that's on things like pasta and tinned tomatoes, the sorts of things that, that people who live on the breadline are very reliant on. Food banks are very reliant on those kinds of foods. So you've had that. You've also had Rishi Sunak, the Chancellor, saying that he will have to do an emergency budget uh, to absorb no deal, to just throw even more money at the problem than they've had to through coronavirus. Where that will be paid from? 
by whom remains to be seen. And again, this weekend, lots of backbenchers saying, don't you dare do tax rises. You know, that that would be anti-conservative. We won't like that. But a deep recognition from the Treasury that the cost of no deal would be extraordinary and that the government would have to bail it out. And thirdly, of course, if no deal is just a bit of a turbulence, a bit of a bump in the road, as some Brexiteers are now referring to it, then why on earth are the government having to consider using the military to get life-saving vaccines for coronavirus flown in from Belgium? We're going to talk about the uh, the vaccine in, in, in a minute, but um, just to, to sort of cap off this the endless deal stuff, the EU summit that I mentioned earlier, this, this is where the EU leaders are either going to okay a deal or, if not, they're going to activate their, their no-deal measures. We know what our no-deal measures are. They're in total disarray. What are the EU's no-deal measures? Well, do we know what they have in the pocket? I mean, I, I don't personally, uh, mm. but what we do know is that they will seek very quickly to shore up Ireland. You know, we, are, we cannot have the kind of deal with Europe that, say, Japan, Korea, Canada, countries that don't have a land border with the EU are able to negotiate purely because of geography, purely because of proximity and because we share that land border. And the island of Ireland, you know, ended decades and decades of bloodshed and violence with the signing of the Good Friday Agreement. And if there is no deal, that Good Friday Agreement gets put in mortal peril and we will see the return of a, a hard border. So th- that will be a very high priority for them. Um, but, but you know, at, at the end of the day, we know two things. We know that the EU has been planning for a long time and has been signalling, we're ready. We're very worried about how unready the Brits are on the no deal front. But we've done our planning. We've done our checks. And uh, frankly, you know, it won't even be up to the, uh, the legislative requirements. Individuals will make the choices for themselves. We've already heard that truckers, We'll just say we'll we'll just avoid taking jobs that involve the UK. We don't want delay. Delay means cost. Delay means eating into our margins. We won't do it. We'll 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 do logistics to other places. Um, and and secondly, we know that the cost of it will be far 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 higher for the UK. And that lack of preparation adds to that cost. I think one of my favourite uh, insights of the weekend was from friend of the podcast David Allen Green, who said we were promised a free trade area that would be ten times bigger than what we already have which means it would actually have to incorporate alien planets because 10 times bigger than what we had is actually bigger than planet Earth. <laughs> so we'd have to have, I think he said, we'd have to have a free trade agreement with the planet of the Clangus, which would be great. <laughs> Soup. And he then pointed out that rather than delivering 10 times what we already have, it's actually delivered a free trade area, area smaller than the United Kingdom. Of course. Because Ireland's not in it. Of course. Well, that was the, the, my favourite Twitter quip of the weekend was somebody pointing out that Irish passport holders resident in the UK now have far more rights than you. UK passport holders resident in the UK because they they benefit both from the um, special uh, travel agreement between Ireland and the UK, but also, of course, they have freedom of movement to 27 other countries too. Great stuff. Brilliant. Sovereignty, huh? All plans. So before we move on from, from deal talks, please God, um, is there any way to predict? What do you think is going to happen this week? Or are you, are you well out of the prediction game on this one now and it's just going to be what it's going to be? Um, I mean, t- right up to the end of last week, I was probably still firmly in the they'll they'll get some kind of a deal. It'll be pathetic, but but they will. I'm not entirely in that space right now. I think we are in a genuine fifty fifty deal no deal situation, potentially even maybe edging up to fifty five forty five towards no deal. Um, 
that said, it really is in both sides' interests. We do see brinkmanship with these kinds of negotiations. Um, so I, I do hope that there will be a deal at some point, whether it's this week or not, though, I'm definitely not going to predict. On related matters, you mentioned it earlier, the infamous internal market bill mm. is about to go back to the Commons. We're expecting ping pong between the Lords and the Commons. The Commons is going to reverse the Lords' amendment in out shake it all about this is happening at the same time as the talks um to what extent is it designed to provoke a pushback from the eu oh it's very much designed to show that boris johnson is serious about going for no deal if push comes to shove and he feels that the eu haven't made sufficient compromises on their side um so as you rightly point out the lord's removed the the very egregious clauses about breaking international law in specific and limited ways and today the uh, government will put those clauses back in when it comes to the commons um, which is this afternoon and we will expect votes sort of late into the evening potentially even as late as nine o'clock so interesting as to whether that Johnson von der Leyen call will happen before or afterwards. Now people are sort of saying well that's it then no deal must happen today if the commons votes on that bill because surely that will be von der Leyen saying well f you you've gone too far you've now passed that legislation and and to hell with you 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 are prepared to break the international law you are therefore not a trusted trading partner we cannot expect you to act in good faith so all bets are off cheerio bye-bye au revoir however it's not quite that simple because as you say it will ping pong a bit so it will then go back to the lords on wednesday and then come back to the Commons on Thursday. If a deal um, is struck in the interim, then the joint committee that Gove heads up would ensure that all the egregious legislative plans um, aren't, are no longer needed and get removed. And uh, and I think Seb Payne in the FT today reporting it's very much up to Johnson personally to remove those clauses should he want to. So long and short of it is what I expect might happen is negotiations will continue today. The Iron Bill comes back today. Johnson and von der Leyen speak this evening and all they do is agree to keep talking, uh, to, well, their teams to keep talking tomorrow and Thursday and to rearrange another call ahead of that summit. And if a deal is brokered within the next 48 hours, 72 hours, then the government would repeal those clauses from the Internal Market Bill before it gets that final ratification in the Commons on Thursday. So the IMB is going to be in the Commons for final ratification at the same time that the EU summit is taking place? Pretty much, yeah. It's it's WhatsApp. I feel sorry for WhatsApp's going to be melting. <laughs> One little uh, for uh, for true uh, connoisseurs and connoisseurs of uh, Brexit micro nonsense. There's also the taxation open brackets post transition period close brackets bill, which contains yet more powers to break the withdrawal agreement, but, but and, and hence international law. Mm. What do we know about that? Or is it is it basically just like uh, the Pepsi to the IMB's Coke? I know gossip about it rather than any hard fact. I had a quick look before we started recording to see if I could see a copy of the bill. I couldn't, so I don't know know if it's yet been properly published maybe you do Andrew um, but what I'm hearing from the sort of Westminster bubble rumour mill is that what they're calling this colloquially among themselves is this is the no deal bill uh, right so it's stealth yeah yeah interesting hmm oh well make a note of that everybody taxation post transition period is the latest euphemism um all this is happening as we run up to the first anniversary of the Conservatives winning their election victory. Oh, yeah. there's, that was, there's going to be loads of talk about how the first year has gone. It's fair to say. <laughs> what a bloody yeah, year. <laughs> so what do, you, 
So what do you think, the Sunday Telegraph? What do you, what do you think, the Daily Express? Uh, it is fair to say that it's, uh, as as Professor Piehead in Viz Comics Assistant used to say, another partial success. Um, what do you think the report cards are going to say? How are they going to? Well, how much glitter can be can be sprinkled on this turd? Do you think, Naomi? I mean, come on. This has been, in some senses, you know, the most socialist government we've ever lived under. <laughs> um, it's incredible. What a year! What a year! Um, I, I think quite a few things on this. I think one, obviously, the handling, both economically and on the health front, has been completely woeful. Um, by by any and every measure, uh, the government failed us on our health and wealth and failed to protect lives and livelihoods. And I think that will be a, a very strong mark against them in that first year. Uh, you know, and, and, and this is because we have some of the worst figures in the world per capita, let alone in Western Europe and for a, a developed democracy. I think that Johnson, having not asked for an extension to the Brexit transition period in June, will again go down in history very, very poorly for him. And the Sunday Times editorial yesterday reminded everybody that, that they'd pushed for that earlier in the year, too. And again, it was it was the thing that was just so easy. It was low hanging fruit for the government. Their voters were perfectly willing uh, to to offer them that chance because of the pandemic, and you know everybody yeah. understood that it would be totally reasonable uh, at this stage when both uh, sides of the negotiating team were battling this deadly, deadly virus, and indeed their own negotiators falling ill with it, um, if not their own premiers, um, that it would have been fine to to go for that and avoid all of this um, winter of discontent, this absolute catastrophic storm of Brexit happening at the same time uh, as midwinter flu season and of course um, a resurgence of the virus Um, and we will see a third wave of the virus without any question of a doubt despite the vaccine uh, because of relaxation over Christmas that's more or less a given Um, and of course it leading to food shortages food price increases Every household being less well off, regardless of deal or no deal, because, you know, all the impact assessments show uh, any form of Brexit leaves people worse off. And, of course, the breakup of the union. And what we've seen this year um, has been, uh, you know, pretty uh, rapid growth for independence in Scotland um, and that going well above 50 percent now, pretty persistently. Um, so, you know, again, the the Conservative and Unionist Party government doing their level best to you know, break up the union. Um, And this is before people have really realised that they can now only stay for 90 days in Europe if they want a lovely bit of, you know, long retirement holiday um, or even, you know, a long uh, break or or work experience thing, doing some chaleting in a ski season. You know, it's limiting everybody's lives. And I think that will come into stark focus. But obviously, the the first uh, 12 months are going to be... um, Uh, viewed through the prism of the government's handling of coronavirus and its failure to deliver on its key manifesto promises of getting a deal and levelling up those areas of the North and Midlands that that they claimed was so sacrosanct to them when really all the economic indicators, uh, IPPR North have a report out today saying it's becoming increasingly difficult to have, um, you know, a a flourishing life in the North. Um, So that North-South divide growing ever more. And I think all of that combined will really begin to hurt the government as we go into 2021. So uh, next bag then, (laughs) a little 
little bit, little bit plus, little bit minus. Um, finally, on planet Labour, uh, we're seeing in the past few days several constituency Labour parties having officials suspended for passing motions of support for Jeremy Corbyn. The party's left seems absolutely desperate to force some kind of reckoning on Starmer's leadership. Is this real? Is it just something that's happening on social media? Do you what do you expect to happen this week? Do you expect it to intensify? Um. Look, Labour are struggling with their internal politics. It's uh, an understatement, probably, to say um, on so many issues, from you know the the, the Corbyn, Starmer, even you know um, further to the right uh, members of the party um, over anti-Semitism, over Brexit, um, over Scotland. Um, you know, we're, we're seeing lots of noise coming out of the Labour Party in Scotland, you know, very, very cross um, about the party potentially backing Johnson's deal as they are about to face elections in May uh, to the Scottish Parliament. And this sort of, you know, war within the party over what to prioritise the Tartan Wall or the Red Wall um, and the, the parliamentary Labour Party being much more likely to want to favour abstain rather than voting for the deal, whether they will or not remains to be seen. You know, they're not particularly rebellious in the way some Tories are, so they may all fall into line eventually, but not in a happy way. Um, and yes, you're right, you know, the, the the local PLP fights going on and on and on as, uh, you know, pe- people try and purge the faction from the party that they don't like. All of this, to me, just signals that Labour has to, once and for all, finally, 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 not just as Blair did, get behind uh, fixing the voting system and going for equal votes or proportional representation, as I do not like to call it, um, uh, and, and not as Blair did, which was to say he liked it and then never do anything about it, but to properly, properly commit to it, because these parties are all too big. These factions are always going to be at war with one another so long as we have a first-past-the-post system and far better to make like the most of Europe and most other Western democracies and have a much more plural party system. Hmm. Good luck getting that one past certain CLPs. I am the queen of lost causes, Andrew, so of course I'll get behind it. (laughs) (laughs) Naomi Smith, queen of lost causes. Thanks for being with us early on a Monday morning. I'm going to let you get back to watching the no-deal doomsday clock ticking back and forth. As Nick Cohen said over the weekend, the German car manufacturers are leaving it a bit late, aren't they? (laughs) Thanks for listening, everyone. Remember, there's a new Bunker Daily every weekday, except Tuesdays, when it's the all-singing, all-dancing panel edition. And don't forget the Christmas Zoom on Thursday, the 17th of December at 8 pm. Search Patreon Bunker Podcast to find out more. We'll see you all tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. The Bunker Daily was with Andrew Harrison and Naomi Smith. The producer is Andrew Harrison. Assistant producers Jacob Archbold and Yelena Sofronovic. An audio production was from me, Robin Lieber. Kenny Dickerson made our theme tune. And the Bunker Daily is a Podmasters production. <laughs>